0: All right, we're glad to are here. We are continuing the last of our study here now about uh, our church and some of the core values of our church. So we're looking at what makes Bible Baptist Church Bible Baptist Church and some values that have been in our church and through our church as part of our DNA, right? We talk about the DNA of something, that's what makes you you. Uh, has anybody ever done the DNA testing? Anybody done that? M- my girls did that, I think, did some of that spit in the... Thing and they send it off somewhere and then they come back, they tell you you know, your ancestry and your DNA and that kind of stuff and they tell you a lot about your DNA, right? And so the DNA of Bible Baptist Church, this is who we are and no matter uh, what changes, we've changed programs throughout the year, right? Uh, does anybody remember the time before we had our buses on Wednesday? We had buses on Sunday, you remember that? Some of you remember that? Some of you don't remember that, but that was a big change for our program. I I remember meeting with our bus workers upstairs and trying to explain to them that we're going to move all of our buses from Sunday to Wednesday. And they looked at me just like that. (laughs) I mean, they really just had this look of, I don't know, horror on their face and how's this going to work and how's it going to be. And then the next week we did it and all of a sudden we had more kids than we've had. We've seen our bus numbers go down and down and down. And we change programs, and churches change programs sometimes. Uh, We've been through just recently a pastoral change, all right? So and most of you, if not all of you, were there for that change. That's the first time in 30 years that we've had that change, a pastoral change. Personalities change, programs change. But we're talking about what Bible Baptist Church is and what we had this last Sunday, Pastor Aylstock, Pastor Stone, and Pastor Yeomans all here, the three senior pastors of our church. All here and all would agree to these things we're talking about. This is Bible Baptist Church. And so talking about the core values. We talked about three of them already. Can you remember those three core values or any one of them? Give me one of them. Bible Baptist Church is? Think, think, think. Evangelistic. All right, so last week, uh, Pastor Yeomans, I just finished listening to his message It's online, so I listen to it, about uh, the gospel and being a witness and sharing the gospel and making sure. And we all understand Bible Baptist Church is about being a gospel witness. And if the church is about that, it means that you and I are about that. And the church, we talk about the church, we think about this building or a body but as individuals, and so as individuals, we have to be gospel-led and gospel-oriented and, and witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And he talked about being that witness and a clear testimony and a clear uh, conviction and a passion for sharing that. So evangelistic is one. Now your brain has to go back farther. Multicultural, multi multi-generational, that's right, multi-generational. And we talked about that, and that was kind of a strange one maybe to deal with, but we thought it was important because our church has always attempted to be reaching out to younger generations as well as older generations. Many congregations in our country are ful- filled with older people. And a church that, you know what a church is that's not multi-generational? It's dying is what it is. And so we, we need to have every generation represented in our church and so we thought it was an important uh, aspect of who we are Uh, we don't just gear our service toward one age group we try to gear our church service toward every age group uh, and and being conscious of that we talked about if we're going to do that we have to be focused on different things not just on ourselves but other people and different things like that all right so that's two there's one more yes Based on truth, yeah. Biblical, we're based upon truth. We're the pillar and ground of truth. And really, if we try to be multi-generational and we compromise the truth, then we're wrong. The truth is where it has to be biblical, but there's nothing wrong with being multi-generational in a biblical context, right? And obviously, the gospel and the Bible go hand in hand. And some would say, you know, well, whatever it takes to get the gospel. But if you become unbiblical to get the gospel somewhere, that's not good. And so biblical basis for everything uh, is, is a, an aspect. Even tonight, what we're going to talk about tonight, we have to be biblical in those things. So we've talked about biblical, multigenerational, and evangelistic. All right. So tonight we're going to look at one more core value. So I'm going to begin tonight going way back many, many years ago. I have a picture for you. Uh, this is a picture of the church building. It looks pretty Much the same right now. There's one big thing that's different now than in the picture. Can you see it? What's different? The sign. The big yellow sign right there that's not there anymore. That was there for years. Uh, It was set out there. And uh, that was the big yellow sign. But that is our church. So this, uh, to give you a little bit of history lesson, Pastor Stone became pastor of Bible Baptist Church uh, back in 1988. Yeah, I just graduated from high school in 88, and he was my teacher in high school. And then uh, four years later, I came, but he was in 1988. Um, and when he came, he made some changes. Uh, that sign was changed and um, some different things. He chose a church slogan. All right, right now, our, our church slogan is uh, Seeking Christ and Sharing Hope. That's kind of our church uh, mantra. This is what we're all about. We're, we, as individuals, are seeking Christ, but we're also trying to share the hope of Jesus Christ. So it's inward and outward, and that's what we're looking for as a congregation. Does anybody know what our church slogan was back in 1988 when Pastor came? He changed the slogan. Is anybody? Well, Ed, that's great. He did change the name as well. Bible Baptist Temple to Bible Baptist Church. Just FYI, the name of our legal organization is still Bible Baptist Temple, parentheses, St. Thomas, parentheses. That's the name of our our church, all right? Bible Baptist Church we changed because uh, Pastor Stone felt like temple had in Canada, temples used in the States more often. And temple in Canada kind of has the idea of a Sikh temple maybe or, you know, so we just want to get away from that. So we did change the name But what was the slogan that we put on things? And anybody know? I didn't think you would. So I have a picture on the sign. Can you see it there at the very bottom? Maybe it's too small. I can see it from here. The Caring Church. That was the name. That was our slogan. So when Pastor Stone came... He said, we're going to be Bible Baptist Church. Uh, there's a new sign. It says Reverend Isle is the pastor. And then it says, the caring church. And on everything that we had for many years, it said, the caring church. We gave out pens to all of our visitors. Bible Baptist Church, the caring church. On our, I have an old copy of our uh, Constitution and bylaws. And it says on the bottom, the caring church. So everything we had was branded with that idea that we were going to be a caring church. And so tonight, that's the, the last uh, of the um, DNA, the last of the core values we're going to talk about is being that caring church. And so I wanted to prove to you that since 1988, when Pastor took over at least, that was a core value. He wanted to instill in our people and in our church that Bible Baptist Church would be known to be a caring church. And we want to continue that, and that has been and always will be part of, of our DNA, all right. So the title of the message tonight is just this: How to be a caring Christian. Pretty simple. If we're going to be a caring church, you got to be a caring Christian, and I got to be a caring Christian. So how do we do that? How do we be uh, act like a caring Christian? So tonight we're going to look at some Bible principles and a, a parable of Christ. So take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter ten. Luke chapter ten. We'll read this story together. Then we'll turn to another passage and we'll stay in that passage the rest of the night. Luke chapter 10. How to be a caring Christian. Christ taught this parable, which I'm sure you're familiar with. We'll read it together tonight. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said to him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him a story, all right? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest. That way, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came, looked on him, and passed by on the other side, and a certain Samaritan, as a, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought to, and brought to brought him to an end, and took care of him. Notice that phrase: he took care of him. There's the word care. Now in the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host. And said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. Which now of these things thinkest thou which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that was among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Okay, here is the story of the good Samaritan. Right, we know that story. We've heard the story before. Now take your Bibles into Romans chapter twelve. We'll refer back to the story. You you, you know the story. We just read it to refresh your memory. Most of you know that. We'll look at some verses in Romans chapter 12. So as we go through the story of the Good Samaritan, we'll look back and we'll try to apply some principles from Romans 12 and see how to be a caring Christian. All right? Let me pause for a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, as we get now into the heart of this message, I pray that you would challenge us to be the caring Christian that you want us to be. And Lord, I pray that in this time that your word would speak to our hearts and that you would challenge us and that uh, our time together would not be in vain. And so, Lord, we look to you for everything. You are the reason we're here. And uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to meet in your house tonight. In your precious name we pray, amen. All right, so how to be a caring Christian. Number one, first thing you got to do in the story, we see you have to see the need. All right, so a man was uh, on his way to Jericho, fell among the thieves, was robbed, stripped of his clothes, left on the uh, side of the road, half dead. And so, in order to uh, be a caring Christian, you have to see the need. Uh, asking God to give us some insight. It's easy for us sometimes to stay in our little bubble and not look outside of that bubble. We get in a routine of coming and going. And we put in, uh, we, we all have routines. No matter if you're uh, you know, young and have a young family or if you're a senior, everybody has routines. And sometimes we get in that routine and we come in and uh, most of you have a pew where you sit. An area of the church. Nothing wrong with that. But it's easy to come in, slip into RPU, slip out, slip in. You probably have a circle of friends at church. I don't know uh, how many people you talk to on a Sunday morning on an average basis. Like if you just have a few that you kind of see and you always kind of stay in that circle. Or if you kind of branch yourself out. It's easy to get in that bubble and stay in the bubble. And we need to learn to care for the lost. We talked about last week evangelism. Looking for the need and seeing, um, Pastor Yeoman's brought out that it's not all about their need, it's about God and and making sure that God is glorified. And we do see their need and we give them what they need. They need Jesus Christ. We're the light of the world, we're witnesses uh, of, of Jesus Christ. And so, caring for the lost. And sometimes in our daily walk, it's easy to neglect the fact that they have a need. So, we need to take time to see the need. And we also need to care for the saved. All right, so it's not just the unsaved that we need to look for, but the the unsaved and the saved as well. Look at uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is mainly written uh, to Christians, so to believers. So here's what it says to us Romans chapter 12. We'll look beginning here at verse number 9. The Bible says, Let love. Be without dissimulation. Dissimulation is a big word. It just means without hypocrisy, without being divided, without loving one person and not loving somebody else. Don't have love with hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Let me just give you some explanation of that verse. It says to be kindly affectioned. The word kindly affection there is a a combination word. It's the idea of the natural love of a mother. The natural love of a father. A parental type of love for a child. Uh, It's a a friendly love. It's an enjoyable love. It's a a giving type of love. That's the type of love it's talking about here. It is a, uh, a, a fondness for someone in your family. A family type of love. We have a daughter getting married on Saturday. So we need to pray for Jackie and I. It's our first daughter to get married. And so how many of you have married off a daughter? All right. I need your help. <laughs> Give me some advice. All right. So we know going through this emotionally, especially for a mother, uh, there is that natural love for a mother. Uh, for their daughter. And that's what the Bible says. We only have that kind of love. Be kindly affectioned one to another, the Bible says. Uh, then it says not only with this, that type of love, but uh, with, uh, with brotherly love, it says. Right? A brother, you know, we know the word for brotherly love. It's the city of Philadelphia. All right? The word, the Greek word Philadelphia is the word here and it means brotherly love. To love somebody in that brotherly way. And so God's telling us here that we ought to love each other uh, with this Um, brotherly, kind of motherly, kind of natural, without hypocrisy, that kind of love one for another. That's the care, caring for one another. And so we're looking to see the need. And then it says this, in honor, preferring one another. In honor, the word honor means value. So valuing one another, making someone else's increase more important than your increase. Taking the back seat on purpose so somebody else can flourish. That's caring one for another. This is um, not necessarily the commandment of Christ. It's the creed. This is what we live by. Caring one for another with a brotherly love, a motherly love, a, a giving kind of love, and an honor preferring one another, seeing the need for other people. We need to learn to focus on people, not on problems. See, in the story of the Good Samaritan, others passed by. You know why? They focused on the problem, not the person. There was a man laying there half dead. But they saw the problems. They they saw the issues. And in fact, we're going to see here as we study, seeing the need is not enough. In the Good Samaritan, they saw the need, (laughs) right? The priest and the Levite especially He said he looked upon him. The idea of being like, you know, bending over and seeing, man, this guy's in bad shape. It was very clear, especially to the Levite, there was a problem. And he saw that problem, so he saw the need. But here comes the Samaritan, and he sees the person more than the problem. You know, if we, those of us who work in um, our kids' program on Wednesdays, sometimes it's easy for us to see the problem. And not the person. <laughs> Sometimes on Sunday morning when the kids come in here and mess around a little bit, it's easy for us to see the problem, not the people. Sometimes when young adults make uh, decisions or act in a way that we don't maybe approve of or like, it's easy for us to see the problem and not the people. And the Bible here is very clear focus on the people. That's what we care. The caring church is Bible Baptist Church still the caring church. Well, if it is, we have to see the need and focus on people more than problems, all right? So, number one, if we're going to be the caring church, you got to see the need. Well, that's not enough. We saw in our story already that several people saw the need, but that wasn't enough to be... We would know and here would say that uh, the priest was a caring person. The Levite was a caring... You wouldn't say that. They didn't care. They went around the other side. And so... We have to see the need, number one. Number two, we have to make a move. Make a move. The Bible here says in the story of the Good Samaritan that the Samaritan came where he was and then later on it says he went to him. So he made the move. When the other men were moving away from the problem, the Samaritan was moving toward the problem. <laughs> right? Have you ever seen that in uh, on TV? Like when... Uh, something a a catastrophe is going on, there are some people that run toward the problem, first responders, and the vast majority of us, if I'm there, I'm running away from the problem, right? Because we're scared. But here, we need need to get out of there. We're trying to protect ourselves. But there are people who run to the problem. Are are we the type of church that moves toward the issue, moves toward the problem, and, and we see the need and then we make a move in that direction? So, as you see a need, ask yourself this question How can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? Have you seen a need? I mean, there, there are needs in our church. If you're not seeing the needs, then maybe that's, you have to go back to step number one. You need to ask the Lord to open your eyes. Have you ever asked the Lord to o- let, you, let you see the things the way He sees things? Let you see our church the way he sees them. Let you see these kids that come on Sunday morning the way he sees them. Let you see uh, the young couples of our church the way he sees them. I mean, we have shut-ins in our church that we, we, we were talking about a few of them today. They have needs. And if, when we see the need, then ask yourself, how can I make a difference? How, can, how am I part of the solution? See, the other men in this story, the, the priest and Levite, they walked away. They're the religious crowd. Right? The religious crowd, the priests and Levite, didn't do anything about it. You know, sometimes church people can get the reputation of being just interested in their own little church and doing their own little thing, not want to get their hands dirty with the rest of the world. Oh, I hope Bible Baptist Church never has that reputation. We need to be the the, the people that are reaching out. This world's a dirty place. We understand that, right? I don't need to convince you that this world has a mess of problems, right? I don't need to convince you of that. You understand that, right? And so we are reaching people uh, that have issues. I was in uh, British Columbia this week, and I preached at a church, and there's a girl that is there. She had been saved for five months. Before that, she was an atheist, Her her testimony was. I think she was 29 years old, but she had spent a good part of her young adult life in a heavy metal rock culture. All right, her purpose, her goal was to infiltrate that and be part of that and be accepted by that group. And she did. She managed that. She said there was not a concert in that area that she could not go to and get backstage. She had made the connections that she had to make to get into that culture. She was accepted in that culture. One of the most difficult things she's she's having to deal with about being saved is this. She's accepted in Jesus Christ. She doesn't have to live a certain lifestyle or work to be accepted by other people in the church. They accept her for who she is. She can't understand that because all her life she was building her acceptance about what people thought about her and trying to build a reputation and trying to get into a group of people. We don't understand that. That's the world. There's a world out there, and if we come and all we do is come in, sit in our pew Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we listen to the Bible, and we learn the Bible, and we can pass the test and answer the questions and check the boxes, but we don't reach out to a lost and dying world or lost, reach out to hurting Christians, we don't make the move. You gotta, we got to ask ourselves, how am I part of the solution? See the need and then move toward the need. Make a move. That's what the Good Samaritan did. He got down. He got involved. He cleansed his wounds. He found out how the man was hurting and tried to take care of those needs. Hmm. Do you know somebody who's not part of the Bible Baptist Church and not part of any church that's hurting? If you don't, maybe we need to look around because this world's hurting. How can we be part of the solution? This is, I mean, the caring church, that slogan sounds so, you know, so like, oh, so lovely. We're the caring church. But to be caring really gets you down and dirty. You gotta get your hands dirty. That the Samaritan got his, I mean, if the Samaritan story happened in this day and age. He would be putting the rubber gloves on to make sure he didn't get any diseases. You know what I'm saying? He was getting in there, into the wounds, into, in, into this guy's business, helping this guy out. He picked him up and put him on his, his own uh, animal to, to take him, transport him. He got in his business and helped him. Not to judge him. Did you ever wonder why the other two walked by? The Bible doesn't say. It's all, it's all speculation. Why they walked by. No time Maybe they're critical and, ju- you know, maybe they judge him for whatever reason. I don't know. Do we judge, when we see people that are hurting, you know, you know what I do sometimes? I say, well, it's their own fault. They did this, 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 and this, and now they're getting what they deserve. And there's truth to that. I mean, the Bible does say you reap what you sow. But the Bible also tells us to be the, the caring hand of God, you know, the the feet and the hands and the working part, move in and get busy and help people out. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 13. The Bible says, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Distribute, the word distribute means share, to share, right? Ever heard that saying? Sharing, caring is sharing, right? If you care, you will share. Distribute. What do you have to give? What do you have to, what do you have to give that person? I hope you have hope. I hope you have some love of God. I hope you have some grace from God. We talked a while back a message I preached about being a grace dispenser and you know, giving out God's grace everywhere you go, Right? Be, that, be, be sharing those things. And it says they're a necessity, right? See the need. Distribute to the necessity of the saints. Not just unbelievers, of the saints. People in your church, people in your row, people in your section that need, have a need, and you can reach out to them in a small way. How can you be part of the solution? What can you do? you got to, move to the, make a move toward the need. Then it says uh, about hospitality. Hospitality. The word hospitality is a, is a compound word. It means to be fond of guests. To be fond of guests. The, the first part is the word phileo, you know, the brotherly love. Phileo means being fond of somebody. Being fond of people who are out of town or people who are alien or people who are strangers or people who are guests. And then the next verse says this, verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. see there it's talking about being active not reactive they curse you you bless them that's not reactive reactive is if they curse me i'm going to curse them back right do you not do we not all naturally react to anger with anger to cursing with cursing. I mean, that's our natural response. And God's saying here, no, you can live above that. You can live above the natural response of giving those things. You are a Christian, you're a caring Christian, and so you can bless. You have have more to give. You can be kind to those who are not kind to you, even when they persecute you. There's another old saying, see the need, take the lead. (laughs) That's an old saying, see the need, take the lead. So in other words, you see a need, you move in, you move toward it. Do you move toward the need? In our story, like I said, the religious crowd moved away from the need, did they not? The bosses, they, they purposely passed by on the other side. Not only did they not go forward, they went around the other side. They, they got as far away from the problem as they could. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be involved in it. I am going to leave them alone. Are you fond of strangers? That's what hospitality means. Are you fond of people who visit our church? Are you welcoming? Uh, Do you move toward guests at our church? I mean, it may not be your personality. And so uh, I'm not saying that if it's not your personality that you have to do, uh, be weird about it. If it's not your personality, don't try to be somebody you're not. (laughs) But be welcoming to those who come to our church. No matter what they look like, no matter what the background is, it doesn't matter. Because we're the caring church. A caring church is a church of action, right? Caring, we say, oh, caring is an emotion. No, caring is an emotion that leads to an action. And so if we're going to be this church that sees the need and then move, makes a move toward the need, that's the caring church. That was the good Samaritan, all right? And then one last thing. He saw the need, he made a move toward the need, and then he paid the price. If we're going to be caring, we have to pay the price. The Samaritan... Uh, said, he, I'm going to take him to the inn. I'm going to give him some money here, two pence, and then if, if there's more, I'll take care of it. It's going to cost me something to be involved in this person's life, but I'm willing to pay the price. Other churches do not have bus ministries. You know why? They don't pay for themselves. <laughs> Those kids do not pay for themselves. They bring in more harm and and hardship sometimes, but we believe that we're building for a future and we're giving them a hope of Jesus Christ. And so our church willingly pays the price. We pay, I mean, financially in buses every week. Three buses go out trying to bring kids in every week, All right? Our offerings pay for that. And talk about time and effort. On any given Wednesday, there's probably 30 volunteers investing their life in those young people, Right? And so that's the carrying church. We have to learn to pay the price. Look at chapter 12 here of Romans, verse number 20. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. If your enemy needs help, give it to him. Feed him. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to give out. And if he's thirsty, give him drink. Be willing to pay the price. Truly caring about somebody will always cost you something. That's the truth. And it's not necessarily money. Like we always think in terms of money. Okay, if I'm going to get involved, it's going to cost you money. No, it's all about your time, your energy, your love. All right? So be willing to get... It. Are we the caring church? If we are, we have to see the need, move toward it, and then be willing to pay the price when we get there. Because if, if the good Samaritan had not done any of those three things, we wouldn't be talking about this story. He saw the need, he moved toward it, and then he's willing to pay the price and, and get involved, get his hands dirty. That's what we need to do. So as we consider how to be a, a caring Christian, I want to leave you with a couple of words. and These are the two words I want you to key in on tonight. If you can remember these as we go through this idea of being a caring church. Because if we're going to be the caring church, all of us need to be the caring Christians, right? We understand that, right? So here's, truly caring about somebody will always lead to involvement. Involvement. You've got to get involved. You've got to roll your sleeves up and jump in to something. I don't know what your, what is your involvement in Bible Baptist Church, what is, and it doesn't have to be a formal thing. I'm not saying that every one of you have to work in a kid's class. That's not true. In fact, we'd appreciate it if some of you did not work in the kid's classes. It would probably not be good for us or for you, for your mental health or for us if you were involved in kids. We have some people that tried the bus ministry and quit the bus ministry and we're glad that they did. They just, it's just too much for them. Find your, find your gift and use it in the church. Be involved in the lives of other people. Sometimes we come to church with a consumer mentality. I'm here to get. I'm here to get from the preacher. I'm here to get from the music. I'm here to get from other people, and I'm going to go home. But maybe we need to come to church with a a giving mentality. I'm here to be a help. I'm here to care. I'm looking for somebody that I can involve myself into and find somebody. There are young people in our church that need your involvement. I mean, you can't force your way into someone's life. Listen, sometimes we want to go and we want to correct. We, we see how we could help somebody because they're making a mistake and we ju- want to jump into their life and tell them and get involved. I'm just trying to get involved. Well, listen to me. If you, if people, there's an old saying, and I think I have it down here later on. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Right? That's what we're talking about, caring. And so if you try to jump into a young person's life and try to correct them and you haven't built that relationship with them, then it's just going to go sideways real quick. There's some young people in our church that I've had, we've had straight-up conversations with, but it's because I've built years of being their youth pastor, and I, I can have an honest conversation with them. And they take it. And there's things that, that if, if you don't build into people... And invest and involve yourself into people, you can't do that. So involvement is the first word I want you to think of. How are you involving yourself in the lives of other people? Not, and not being nosy. Not, not just being nosy. You know, I, I want to know what's going on. That's not the kind of involvement we're talking about. I'm talking about getting involved, seeing a need, moving toward it, rolling up your sleeves and getting the job done and being a help. All right? Involvement. The second word I want you to think about is investment. All right? Involvement and investment the Good Samaritan was the only one in the story that got involved in the man's life and invested in his life. And he's the example of a caring person. And so as we see a need, we'll need to invest ourselves into other people. You know, interesting, in this story, there's three different uh, mentalities of things. The thieves, their mentality is, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. The, the, The Levite and the priest was, you do your thing and I do my thing. You got yours and I got mine. Just kind of, I'll do my thing, you do your thing. The Samaritan was the only one that says, what's mine is yours. That's the only, that's the only one who made a difference. The only person that made a difference in the story was the man who was willing to get involved and make the investment. Do you want your life to make a difference? Do you want... Um, as a member of Bible Baptist Church to make a difference, then you need to find a way to be involved and invest in the lives of other people. That will make you a caring Christian and that will make us the caring church because the Bible Baptist Church has always been the caring church. And if we ever become a group of people who are self-focused, then we'll cease to be the caring church. And we have these series of lessons and I'm done early tonight. We have these series of lessons to challenge you that this is who we are. This is who we've always been. And by God's grace, this is who we're going to be. With your, If you today would say, I want to be the caring Christian. I'm looking for some way to involve and invest. It could be as simple as, you know, telling Pastor Levi, if a teen wants to go to camp, let me know. I want to invest in that. Seeing a need, moving toward it. And paying the price maybe you can't afford to do that. that's fine. Maybe you can't afford to pay for someone to go to camp all on their own. give part. but I'm saying you're looking for places. Um, we had a, uh, in our prayer letter we had a prayer letter that went out and one of our members read the prayer letter. I don't even think it was read in church. the prayer letter. no just just you know the prayer letter that we hand out our missionary. and in, in the, the letter, one of our members saw the need contacted Pastor Yeomans and said, hey, I'd like to give $1,000 toward that need. He saw the need, and they moved to it, and they paid the price. And again, it's not about, it's a, it's a, money, it's a money idea, but get money out of your head because money is not, sometimes money is the easiest thing. Money is the easiest thing to give when you have it. <laughs> if you don't have it, it's the hardest thing to give. But if you got it, it's no big deal. And if God has blessed you and you have extra money, and that's what God has done, I know a man of God who is, uh, gives and gives and gives and gives, and God has blessed his business over and over and over and over again. That's great. But maybe you don't have the money. That's okay. Just like God said to Moses, What do you have in your hand? Use that, use what you got. And be involved and invest in people's lives. And that way, we'll be the caring church. See a need, move toward it, and then pay the price. And if we'll all do that, we'll continue to be the caring church. That is, let me just end with this, that is inside the walls of the church as well as outside the walls of the church, right? So inside the walls of the church, there's need. Outside the walls of the church, there's a great need. So look for it, move toward it, pay the price, And let God use you to be a caring Christian. All right, would you bow your head and close your eyes?